made it all up and, and we just rolling with it. Mm. So let's get into the whole policing people's bodies. You know, I, I, you know, back in my day, I, you know, wrote up a couple of traffic tickets or two. She looked at me like, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Yo, the dead fine. That that's the dead part for me. But um Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep. We got nightmares and they got fantasies. No sanity, it's just insanity. My mommy hoping nothing happens to me. Um, so how do we begin this illustrious tale? Should I start with the lead up? Hold on, actually, let me bring this up closer. Give the other ship I survived. <laughs> But should I start off with the lead up first? First, y'all wondering why I look like this. But we're going to talk about something very interesting today. What I have. It's been like a topic on my mind for a long time, but I wanted to get the right person to talk about it with. Uh, you know, our legendary guest on the right of me. But before that, I want to just say, like, you know, thank you again for coming and Sit back, relax, and we're about to have a good time. Ready? Yeah, man, looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to another episode of Everything Cool. Um, this is the Negus of Nassau, Lord Jalen Willard, San Antonio Alexander at your service. We have the party at one in the back. As always, PG, <laughs> aka PG Ovani, aka PG13, aka PG13, aka your favorite non bay, aka Hidden Blend. AKA Please, hidden like, in plain sight, <laughs> AKA too many AKAs. Uh, it's a lot to say. Yes, yes, yes. And we have another guest. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Alicia Wallace, gender expert and director of Equality Bahamas. No oh. AKAs. No, <laughs> no you need an AKA, like probably like Black Widow or something like that. Like what? Black, Black Widow. Widow. Black Widow. That wouldn't. I don't know, like bad bitch or something like that. <laughs> mm, I mean, that could be, that's your AK. <laughs> I don't know. So on every episode, we like to do, have a special segment called the Bayman Word Phrase, the saying of the day. And we always give our guests that privilege of doing such things. So you could give us today your Bayman Word Phrase, the saying. Boy. Did we have boy before? You had it before? Yeah, yeah, we did have bite. Okay. We talked about the different versions of bite. So you need like something fresh that nobody something said fresh. before. Anything, anything, ma'am, would come to your mind. Oh, you gosh. Would. You want not prepare me for this so I can think about it ahead of time? Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I know, man. Everything I could think of is like so. We have a lot of misogynistic that we say. So I'm trying to like steer mm. away from those. No, no, no. Let's Fine, go ahead. Okay, so what, what, what would be non-misogynistic, what you would like to use? Or what you think 
the a non-misogynistic yeah. one. Mm. I got a question for you after this. <laughs> Go ahead. No, but we're okay. going to be in big trouble. I, I hope you're ready to edit out big gaps because it's taking me so long to think on this. No, 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 no. Right. That's perfect. That's, so That's perfect show. content, right? Oh, oh Lord, everybody can watch me sweat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, Bahamian thing. What do we say a lot? Okay, practice an ass. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we had that. We never had that. Right. So tell for the international viewers, tell mm-hmm. them what does that mean? You're just doing foolishness. You're not making any sense. Mm. And it's almost like you intentionally being stupid. Ah. Right. Okay. We about to really have fun. Because. Yeah. I mean, I have a game plan, right? And I'm about to go by that game plan. I'm about to get it into your early beginnings and everything. But I just want to start off. Yeah, yeah, tweet today. I was like, but she about to be mad at us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, okay. <laughs> no, because a lot of the people that, yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say they had detractors or whatever, but a lot of names you have called have graced our state. <laughs> oh. so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, flip. everybody tuning in, right? Today. Oh, the names. Huh? The names of people? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so I was like, yeah, today about to be good. But let's start from the beginning. Let's start about like, you know, how, what's, what was life for you growing up in the Bahamas? Mm-hmm. Uh, getting into writing and then becoming basically an advocate activist. Well, I grew up like most of us in a blended situation, like my parents, whatever, but also so many other family members pitching in to help to raise the children, so spending a lot of time with older people in my family. So I always tell people I'm old people churn, mm. even though my parents aren't particularly old, but I grew up with my great aunt, my great grandmother. You know, so I spent a lot of time with people like in this, from their 60s to 100, basically. Mm. And, you know, during that time, especially as I got older in my teens, starting to see the difference between the ways that I was raised versus my brother. Even though we were growing up in the same house, being taken care of by the same people, the sort of differences between the things that I could do versus what he could do, regardless of any kind of skills or anything like that that we had. And I think that started to get my wheels turning a little bit. And then I went off to school and got to have different experiences and meet people with different identities, different ideas, different religions, and sort of expanded my mind even more. So when I came back, it was almost like a culture shock, you know, being like... Like, what, what is going on in this place? Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, for most people who move in that direction of activism and advocacy, there was sort of a moment of just being like, yeah, th- that's enough. Uh-huh. I, I can't just sit around with this uh-huh. anymore. And it was with one of those names that I called. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so this happened within the last 10 years or? Yeah, 2014 is when I really, like... Okay. Was like, this is what I want to do mm. full time, basically. Okay, because that's a very interesting time, and we're going to get to that later. But um, I think every time when we, and I was talking about this the other day, like when you travel the world and you see how other people live, you start to gain a grand perspective on things. And when you come back to a society that's your own, yeah, and you see the things that can be changed, then you'd be like, all right, how can I affect change to shift? Because certain thinking is causing us to stagnate 
as a society. So I can really feel and understand that. So 2014, actually, because you got that quick. So 2014, what exactly happened in 2014 to make you be like, okay, this is the star that brought the cameras back. Like, what was the lead up to then, like, you know, for, especially for the viewers, like, break down what was your lead up to, like, where it was, you know, because you had this awareness, you just noticed, like, okay, every time I go out, I get hit on for no reason or what different mm-hmm. instances and stuff like that. Yeah, so street harassment, which is sexual harassment in a public space, mm-hmm. was always something that made me, like, as a child, it made me uncomfortable, but as I got older, it just pissed me off mm-hmm. more and mm-hmm. more and more. And I think a friend of mine saw a video of this woman who was like making fun of people who harass. And the video was called Creeps on the Streets by Lacey Green. She was a YouTuber at the time. I don't know if Mm -hmm. she still does that. But she sort of did a spoof of what they're like. And then she plugged an organization that focuses on ending street harassment. Mm -hmm. So my friend sent this to me and I was like, what? And they basically help other people to run their own site as a part of the organization in different parts of the world. So I was like, yeah, let me sign up. We we should do this. And she later on, she told me she was like, yeah, I sent it to you because I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to pick it up (laughs) and make it a thing. So that's how I started Hollaback Bahamas. Mm. And to do that, we had to go through a few weeks of training with Hollaback, the main branch in New York City, online Mm. training. And we were set to launch in April. I think it was supposed to be around the time of International Anti-Street Harassment Week, which is always in April. But before we even got a chance to launch in March, we got, um, well, there was press coverage that Leslie Miller, who was then the MP for Tall Pines, had made a non-joke about domestic violence. So I think the debate was going on about fisher fishermen and how they were being, being treated by the government. And to draw a comparison... He started talking about how, you know, the government is abusing fisher people, fishermen, but it's the same as him abusing somebody else. And he started to talk about how he had this girlfriend who he used to abuse and basically was saying that she liked it. And he kind of put it off like a joke and everyone in, in Parliament laughed or didn't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. And the video footage showed, you know, people sort of just sitting there uncomfortably. And you could hear kind of people saying, oh, no, man, stop. And the speaker kept saying, we know you're joking. We know you're joking. And he said, no, I'm not joking. I'm serious. And he kept going on and there was more laughter. And famously, Pricewell Forbes was really caught, like, throwing his head back. Oh, ho, ho, having a great old time. And so that mm-hmm. really, really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. I was like, what type of shit is this? Where you could stand up in Parliament and talk about how you used to abuse someone, make it seem like it was their fault, make it into a joke, and nobody calls you out on it. Wasn't this around the same time the writer had slapped um, a member of parliament? I don't remember I how that is in the timing. So, right. I think probably like I think that might have been after. 2014, this happened like, like 2013, 2016. Like around. I think it was probably after this. Yeah. 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 So it was like, really? No one's going to say anything at all. And I wrote a letter to the editor in the newspaper and it got published. And then people started contacting me and being like, what are we going to do? So we started a coalition of five organizations. We came together. We started Coalition to End Gender-Based Violence and Discrimination. Mm. And we held a protest in Rawson Square. We 
put together a petition. We had an open forum also in Rosslyn Square where people could come and share their stories and talk about some ideas that they have, ways that we can address this issue in the country. Mm-hmm. And we also put forward demands to the government, including a public education campaign to let people know about domestic violence because it's always been a huge issue here. Our numbers have always been extremely high and we mm-hmm. know that most people don't even report. So what are we going to do about this? When are we going to start talking about it? When are we going to direct people to the resources? So that's what that whole thing was about. And that was my like first Aha moment. thing. Okay. Yeah. Because I looked on your profile. So I was like, what exactly is a gender expert? Yeah. I, yeah. Is that something that you created or that's a real like term right. title? No, it's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So explain that to me. And part of my ignorance, but we had a Right. Yeah. So we know that gender, hopefully we know that by now that gender is a social construct. We treat it like it's something that's biological, but it's not Um, even sex isn't biological, but that's a whole like that would be a whole podcast on its own. Mm -hmm. But these are all things that people have made up and gender was made up to basically force people into boxes. So based on your visible um, sexual organ, we decide how you're going to move through society, what kinds of opportunities you're going to have, what your relationships are going to look like, um, your role that you're going to play in society. So that's how we came up with, you know, women do this and men do that. So a gender expert is well aware of these dynamics between Mm -hmm. people of different genders, um, how they have come to be, how society functions, how it serves or does not serve us and are equipped to look at, for example, laws and policies that are in place and see how they're affecting people of different genders to be able to make recommendations on legal reform, on policy um, projects, how to implement projects to ensure that they they are affecting people of different genders equally or addressing specific needs of people of specific genders. Um, So it's really, it's taking a pretty holistic look at where we are, what we're doing, what we're trying to do and making sure that people of different genders are impacted as needed. Okay. So because, um, and I, knowing that I was going to invite you here, I extensively prepared and immersed myself and the, the exact knowledge and terminologies and things for the last month. So I was, you know, going into social groups and on, on clubhouse and having talks on Facebook and this is not in like, all right, this is what's going on. And then, you know, oftentimes, I think in some rooms, people would say, okay, yeah, gender and sex is a social construct. But then they'll ask, okay, so before a civilized society, would you, wouldn't you say the environment dictated who did what? When we was like in nature before, like less than 200 years ago, based on, I wouldn't say male and female, but who is more pre- um, disposal, dispos- dis- disposed, <laughs> look at me, to, okay, why somebody would have to be bringing in life and nurturing other smaller life forms, and then the other person would have to be cultivating and producing the environment. So wouldn't, so how does that factor in, in, into that whole so- we could look at, we don't even have to go very far back, right? Mm. We could look at um, pre-war. World pre-war? Pre-war, um, yeah. Okay. Where basically men worked. Mm. Women stayed at home. 
and the idea is that women didn't work. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Not necessarily. Okay. I think more so in Western civilization, we had these notions of men work and women men work. So that's why I ask. Yeah. Like, if we go back to so we have this Eastern idea that women people generally will say that women yeah. didn't work. Yeah. During that time, which is completely untrue. Yeah. Because if women right. didn't work, men would have, wouldn't have been able to work. Exactly. Right. Women yeah. enabled men to go outside of the home to work by doing the work that was needed to be done inside the home. Right. So making mm-hmm. sure that their husbands and their children were able to eat something every day, making sure the clothes were clean, um, the uniform or whatever is laid out for work the next day, making sure that there's a space to rest. Mm-hmm. The house is clean. All mm-hmm. that is work. Right. When it's mm-hmm. somebody other than your wife or your mother doing that work, you pay them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's work. And then the war happened. There was no one there to do certain things. So they pulled women in. Well, we need women. We need women to come work, fill in this gap, which is what women have been doing since for decades and for centuries, right? Just showing up to fill in the gaps when the men can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that women aren't able to do it. It's just that it's preferred that men do the work outside of the home and control mm-hmm. the money and all that. Kind of, like there's all these things are layered. It's a lot of it is about power and control. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, black women have always worked. Mm-hmm. Right. There was never a time when black women weren't working. So even mm-hmm. our idea about the fact this thing of men work, women don't is a very white. Angle yeah, because I always because we were we were enslaved. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. we entered relationships with black men who weren't being paid the same as white men. And so you needed the two incomes to make a household run. So black women have always worked. So there are all these these layers. Yeah, because that's how I always argue is that, okay, with the times we live in there and the more new information that we're getting, um, we're being informed about, because everybody is their own individual and subscribe to a different philosophy. But overarching, like, certain social groups then have certain issues, like other social groups. Like, like you said, okay, most black people on the Western Hemisphere, if... We were enslaved for 500 years. And then in less than 100 years, we got all these rights to where we can work independently from outside of other people. Then we wouldn't have the same qualms as other societies where, you know, how they living outside, they was living all those years ago and how their social dynamics was. But ours, especially in the Western Hemisphere, it shifted so much, especially in the last 150 years. So it went from, it went from, okay, we don't make enough to sustain to, to like, for one person to sustain the whole household. Then, you know, when first wave feminism came around was, okay, the women's suffrage movement and women's rights to vote, and et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, when you had second wave feminism in the, uh, like we were on the civil rights ever after the civil rights in the late 60s, 70s, it was about, hey, if I want to be a housewife or if I want to be a college professor, I should have that choice. And I shouldn't be forced to be relegated to just staying at home. Yeah. So in, in the span of just that alone from the 70s to the women's suffrage movements, a lot of them started in the 10s and 20s, if I'm correct. So in the span of 50 years, the, you know, for our community, that social dynamics had to switch drastically because it was like, okay, 
person I'm now used to having this dynamic and then more things was applied and I have to shift now. So now we are having, which some may say it's the third wave feminist movement. It's like, okay, well, you know, these things apply and you got to understand because we're, even though we have made such progresses over the last 100 years, there's still certain social issues and social cons we still have, you know. And I take this data hard because, again, I have a lot of female friends that tell me about, okay, yeah, they're being mistreated this way. They're being disregarded this way. They're, you know, actually, you know, subjected to sexual abuse and sexual harassment and these things. So now we're trying to correct that behavior where, and then like, you know, so back to what I was saying, a lot of these things is like, when we get to a point, we have to switch, take, get new information, correct this bad behavior and do a lot of unlearning. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, it's a constant, it's constant learning and adjusting and adapting and having conversations with people because a lot of what we're experiencing seems to be com people are completely unaware of it mm -hmm. until they hear about it, right? Like if you on Bahamian Twitter, then you would have seen last year, last summer, probably around this time when people were talking about women, were talking about their experiences of harassment and various forms of sexual violence and just sort of talking about it vaguely. And some of them might have been more specific about what happened to them, but not saying who. And so all these men were like, tell us who, tell us who it is. Because if that's, you know, somebody who I know, then we finish, like he done. Mm -hmm. And then when women actually decided to start calling names, very few of those men stayed supportive. Some of them were like, oh, don't do that. And there was one in particular, don't do that, man. He just trying to start his business. He just trying to get on his feet and stuff, you know? So all of a sudden it's a switch when you find that it is somebody mm. close to you. And so it's very difficult to have these conversations and be honest because people are committing to being supportive, but when they really find out what's going on and who's involved, mm. it's a hands-off bunch of <laughs> right? Like, you ain't really coming through for me the way you said you were going to come through for me. So it mm. makes it really hard for people to be able to share their stories. Um, it's hard for people to come forward and, and make reports. So we have those statistics, and then it's hard for us to prove our case. Because mm. then people will say, well, like with marital rape, having all these conversations about marital rape, and the first thing people want to know is, well, how many, how many women who married getting raped by their husband anyway. Y'all don't have no numbers. Where's your statistics? But if it's not against the law, how do you report it? And if they don't report it, how we can get the numbers? But we know that this is happening because if people are getting raped while they're dating, what the f why do you think it's going to be different in marriage? That's so true. You know, so we have to keep having these conversations and we have to keep pushing people outside of their comfort zone. And, you know, there are a lot of people who will say, well, they are pro-woman, they are pro black women this and that they or people will say well i'm not homophobic but they'll spew homophobia mm -hmm. all the time right just today you know during this whole olympic thing when people made homophobic comments about the bahamas getting the gold and whatever mm -hmm. what do people respond with oh queen that's the talk somebody said talk to the bitch who your ma says your father or something like that so okay so this person being homophobic so you're going to be homophobic back and then you, you're going to go on the time and say, yeah, we're not going to stand for that. You're not going to be homophobic to us. OK, but you're going to be homophobic to other people. You know, so a lot of times we're trying to use Audre Lorde said the the master's tool will, will never dismantle the master's house. But we're consistently trying to use these same tools.
to dismantle the houses of patriarchy and misogyny and homophobia and all these other systems that we're working against. That's very good. So tell us about, or tell the people about, because I always, always used to question why, go just backtracking back to Hollaback, you know, um, the whole cat calling thing. Because as a man, I never thought that it actually worked. You know, the whole, you walking now, hey, oi, sexy, come here, da 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 I'm like, this is actually work. <laughs> and I had access, I access on my WhatsApp report. One woman messaged me, and she's like, she liked things like that. So I was like, oh, so I guess this works on, because I'm like, I don't understand why the baby man consistently do this. And most of the times I say rejection. So I'm like, why y'all keep on doing this? And then the w- women keep on saying, this makes me uncomfortable. But y'all still doing it. Yeah, that's the point. The point is to make women uncomfortable. The point isn't to get a date. Because if that was the point, then you would say good morning to me when I could see you and not when I walk past you. Mm. Like it happens to me all the time. The people will speak to me after I have passed them. And it's like, I know that you're not trying to have a conversation with me. What do you not that I would want to have a conversation with you. You're a random stranger and I try to do whatever the fuck to do. But it tells me what your intention is. What if they just, I feel like it's, it's a scare tactic. Like they're, they're, they're fear of rejection. And it's like, I'm going to say no. this to see what happened. And then if I get rejected, they can make a whole special. It's a power thing. It's a power and a con- and control thing. It's like, oh, look what I could do. Look how I can make you uncomfortable. Because they laugh, mm. especially if it's men in groups. Once you've walked past, you can hear them mm. laughing, talking, whatever. So it's funny to them. It's, it's a game. It's a sport. Mm. It's not meant to actually result in a real conversation or an engagement with a person. Because when, when men want to engage you, they seem to figure out how to do it. You think men would benefit more that having more platonic women friends to understand and see how women like feel about certain if, things? To be honest with you, I don't really care what men would benefit from. Um, I think mm. women would benefit if... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Y'all have enough benefits. Y'all good. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think that it's a mystery. Mm. I really don't think that there is a knowledge gap. I think it's a refusal to acknowledge the power differential mm-hmm. and the effect that that has on people on the opposite end. Because while you hold the power, it's fun, right? There, there have been a couple of videos. I'm trying to remember which magazine it was. It was like Cosmopolitan or something. But they set up this thing where they would bring in men with their daughters. And I think there was another one where they brought in men with their wives or girlfriends um, to watch footage of their daughter, wife or girlfriend just walking along the street and being catcalled and just watching these men be upset and get all like possessive over their women was really interesting. And, th- and they were all like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I, d- I didn't know that it, it was like, I, I don't want people doing this to my daughter. I don't want that to happen to my wife. I want my girlfriend to be able to go out and not have to, to worry about her. And it, it's like so many men are only concerned about things if it happens to someone who is in their own circle or someone who they, who they perceive of as belonging to them. What about care? Like, what if you care about that person? Hmm? I mean, it can be care too, though. Not really having a more so possessive mind, but I think... You might not see it as possession. Mm. Right? Because it's the same thing as 
a lot of women will say that um, I have a boyfriend mm. or I have a husband or wear a ring on the, the ring finger to try to deflect because we already understand that men respect other men and other men's belongings. So me Nothing. making you feel like I belong to someone else, it gives me a little bit more room. You're less likely to bother me. Now, you have some jerks, the super jerks who will be like, well, he ain't here, right? But a lot will sort of like, the jerks. yeah, some will kind of back off or at least be more cautious when they realize that, oh, you belong to somebody else. Like somebody else will fuck me up for you. And then even like the men who feel like they're on our side, like I love women. Women are great. I wouldn't want this to happen to my daughter. Like, why do I have to be your daughter? It also sort of go into pretty privilege a little bit too. Because all, well, I treat all women great, but then you only treat the ones that you see, like look as, as attractive. So it's like, yeah, oh, well, right. yeah, I'll keep the hot ones, the hot mamas. Protected. The, 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 the ones <laughs> I think look good. Cool, like, yeah, but you're like, if anybody mess with them, I get on them, but the ones that I think, eh, whatever <laughs> happened, I'm going to happen to Yeah, you think it's that way and not the opposite? As part of the mm-hmm. routine, but mm-hmm. you mean the privilege, privilege what? Mm-hmm. You think? Yes. Yeah, I would say so, right. because I think men, the men, okay, they, and this is the double, this the the, um, not a double standard, this the hypocrisy in it. Yeah, you would say you care about women, but only the pretty ones. The only ones you think is attractive. Now. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. But to me, the mm. the pretty ones are the ones who face the most mm. harassment, right? Or, the, or the, the least likely to want to be in public spaces because they get a particular type of attention. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and what he's saying is men would be more inclined to protect those women in turn. Mm. From yeah, other, from like other dual, men, right? It's a dual thing because they, yeah, they're the ones that most harass, right? Yeah. But then but that's the, same the ones time, they would be, be most protected to go to too, back right? Okay. That's what he's saying. Because like, I see a lot of that's what he's saying. Yeah. I see from, a lot of victim blaming too, right? Like, mm. well, you don't know you fine. Why are you going out like that? Oh, you mm. should you should have told me come with you. That's like, probably mm. by you the know? same man who harassing her though. From another man, would probably protect him. That's what he's trying. I think but that's like what he's trying the, to say too. I think sometimes the protective from, person, mm-hmm. like you being protective of the person who you care about, who you mm-hmm. consider pretty, mm-hmm. right? It could also manifest in a way that's like, why would you do that? You should have let tell me you wanted to go to the fire. I would have take you, so this wouldn't happen to you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's coming out of the goodness of your heart, so called, but it's coming out in that sort of it's your fault that this happened to you. Mm. kind of way so maybe it's different maybe it's different groups of people who behave in different ways like one group of people would sort of blame and one group would say i can't believe this happened think, to my pretty friend i don't know yeah but i think the worst same ones that doing are harassing yeah would do the same thing in the protecting yeah yeah, yeah so it's a switch of behavior mm. so it's that thing it's mm-hmm. that th- yeah. these women are mine yeah these ones are off limits or i want to be with her or i want to even if it's not with her particularly, I want to gain a woman that somewhat looks like this. So I'm going to show to other women that I protect a woman that re- resembles this attractiveness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's a weird dichotomy. Like you're creating yeah. like a platform for yourself. Like look at me, the savior of the yeah, light the skin, green eye gals. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take a quick commercial break. And then, you know, Everything Cool is now sponsored by Last Juice. Hey. I drank on that vitamin S, but we're going to be right back after. Mm-hmm. 
I use this platform. <laughs> well then. Oh, man. So, we're back from a short, quick commercial break. Don't forget Less Juice. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. I know they have a Twitter. But, you know, got some good shoots. But we back. Well, but before we get into PG, I have some quick questions. Right. Uh, so in the Bahamian phrase and saying of the day, you said uh, that we have a lot of misogynistic BS that we say. Do we have any feminist BS that we say? Or do you consider anything feminist that we say over here? I don't know the last part what you said. I say, do we have a lot of feminists or do you consider anything to be feminist that we say over here to be BS? Hmm. A misandrist? <laughs> Nothing that comes to mind right now. I have to think about it some more. But most of it, most of our phrases reference women or vaginas in some way and in like a deprecating way. I can't think of anything. Oh, no, no, the main one is CYC. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It could easily be carry ass, but it's very specifically Mm. something else. Yeah, we we go to the CYC more than carry ass for real. Actually, I was watching Joe Budden podcast one time and well i was listening to it a couple of weeks ago and they was trying to get them to stop using that on um, the women's part as a term to degrade, degrade or say salt so they came up uh they found another term i think the term is pusillanimous so there's like yo that ain't a real word and then they searched it up and it was like Okay, yeah, I see what this means. Da, 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 blase, blase, blase. Mm. But um a next one now. Yeah, so <laughs> if we're gonna consider gender as a social construct, then could we say that misogyny and feminism real? Are they real? Are they real? Yeah. Yeah. They're I mean they're real. But yeah, but if we say of... if it's a social construct, gender is, then could they uh, could they technically be real? Yeah. Gender is still real, you know. Like we it, we created it and we crafted it. Mm-hmm. But it's still real. It's like the fan. Like somebody made it mm-hmm. for it to be real. Okay. And a lot of these social constructs are built on each other. Like money. Money isn't real. Money is a bunch of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Just I guess pieces you're of paper, that. you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And we give, I guess we, yeah, what you're saying is we give the value to the money. To, yes, that makes exactly. It happen, and right? we give different values to different genders. And that. because of that, that's where the, the phrase of misogyny you comes from to sort of describe some of that. From. Yeah. Because the whole social constructing can mislead people to think, oh, so we're trying to say none of this, this, and we don't have no social order, and then it <laughs> right? becomes an inflammatory argument, not mm-hmm. understanding what exactly you're trying to say. Like, yeah. Okay, these are the descriptions we made for ourselves, but yeah, they was made, but they exist, and people still subscribe to it. Yeah, so, it's just yeah. important to know that somebody doesn't, somebody made it up. It's not something that is inherent in us. Okay. You know, like, I'm a woman. Someone decided that I was a woman because when I was born, the, the doctor was like, I see a vagina, so this, it's a girl. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, cool, it's a girl, so we're going to dress. We're going to put dresses on her. We're going to let her hair grow. We're going to do all these different things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're going to try to keep her away from the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we decided, you know, they decided, well, she's vulnerable, so we don't really want her going out late at night, and we want her to be accompanied by adults in a different way from we do our son Uh, right so it sort of shapes the way that you the way you behave the way you treat people 
And all of those things are very real, but they're based on something that somebody decided on decades ago. Well, do you consider yourself a woman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Because like always, always to that is like I I really wonder what would happen if none of us was born in a civilized society. We just was working, just be like, all right, do whatever you need to do. Like, what would the world would be really be like? You know, probably yeah, probably people actual. People do what they need to do to survive, right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. probably actual chaos. So I because I think human beings always like some form of order, bro. Because we like to have dominance over other groups or. So it's awesome hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look at the way people use astrology right now, right? Mm. Like, oh my God, I can't stand the the cancers. Yeah. They always crying and stuff like that. <laughs> um, the way that we treat each other, different nationalities. Yeah, you know, the, the, the way we feel about being Bahamian, like that's a made up thing. Like somebody just like was like, oh yeah, these are the islands, just this country, mm. and decided that we different from this other set of islands. This other landmass that's Jamaica. So they're going to be Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody made it all up and, and we just rolling with it. Mm. So let's get into the whole policing people's bodies. You know, I, I, you know, back in my day, I, you know, wrote up a couple of traffic tickets or two. She looked at me like, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Yo, the dead part, that, that's the dead part for me. But, um, so, because you, you ended off the last segment with, you know, there's a lot of victim blaming. And then you were saying, even with the protector role, someone still say, well, you shouldn't have been dressed like that. Right. Or you shouldn't have gone this place without me. Or Yeah. What do you say to all of that? Like, what's your analysis, breakdown, and solution to all of that? A lot of this is about making the world a smaller place for women and girls and telling us what we can and cannot do, where we can and cannot go. And the world is designed in this way to sort of keep us in these corners. And people are playing to that. Men are playing into that. Boys are playing into that. Um, Maybe some with, other women playing into that too, eh? Hmm? Some other women might be playing into that too. Yeah, there are women playing into women. it. Yeah. And yeah. interestingly, whenever we have these kinds of conversations... Um, Someone will inevitably say, but the women, da 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 da, right? But it's also important to make the connections between people and systems Mm -hmm. and understanding that people are operating within a certain set of systems. Mm -hmm. So, one of the things I can go off track for a second, because this is something that really burns me up every time we talk about the referendum, right? We get another ISO. Every every time the referendum comes up and we start talking about the results, somebody is going to come and say, well, the women voted against their own rights and just leave it at that. And the message behind that is women don't want rights or women are stupid or women decided not to vote because they just don't care, right? But there's no looking at what's beneath the surface of that, that women are some of the strongest supporters of the church Mm -hmm. and of really horrible, misogynistic, patriarchal religious leaders, like, right? Who will tell you, who will tell you how to vote? And tell you that you don't deserve none of these rights and you should vote no. And we'll do all these little special sessions. You can find his little videos on YouTube, pulling up scriptures of the Bible and giving you weird interpretations to make you feel as though you don't have the right to pass on citizenship to your own child or to your spouse when when somebody else could do the same thing. And it's, it's um, it's this system of control 
because you are within the system of this religion, this church, this version of Christianity. You're paying into it, your 10%. So you investing in this. Mm. And so the product is something that you, you're basically buying. Let me, I want to just poke a pin right there. Why do you think so many women support the church when a lot of men are leaving the church because they see the women overly support? Because they're men of God. Because hmm? they're men of God, supposedly. Mm. So you think you know, every, everybody trying to get this message and feels like they can't they can't get the message for themselves. Yeah. They need some like in between person who wears a dress. Do, do you think because because these men sort of pander to the women like, hey, you pray hard enough, God can send you a husband and they believe that dream. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that in this sort of like false prophesying and making these promises that are very, very strange. But. It's just it, we're used to having somebody else be in control and someone else make decisions and tell us what to do. And it's a comfortable place to be. Mm -hmm. It's a really comfortable place to be. And if you paid any attention to Equality Bahamas and our campaign around the referendum, we never once said people should vote yes. Obviously, we wanted people to vote yes. That was my personal position and that was the position of, of the organization. But I was very firm that if we practice this bunch of shit, we practice us, we continue practicing us, <laughs> telling people how to vote, we're never going to get to the place where people are thinking critically, thinking for themselves and expanding democracy, mm -hmm. thinking about what you want, what your vision is for this country, what your vision is for yourself and for your family and deciding what the actions are that we need to be taking individually as a community, as society, whatever, as a government, because we're all the government, right? We're all supposed to be participating in the government. Mm -hmm. if, if we don't create that, if we don't create that sort of culture and we continue to not only buy into, but perpetuate this idea that somebody has to tell you what to do, then it's pointless. Mm -hmm. I could get everybody yeah. to, to vote yes because I told them to vote yes, but what does that really mean when something else comes up, when we need to work on issues of marital rape, when we need to work on domestic violence bill, we need to work on mental health, you know, con consistently telling people what to do is not working. It's a short term thing, but we really need to be empowering people to think for themselves, find the resources that they need to be able to educate themselves and make decisions that make sense, not just for them, but for all of us as a whole. And I think we should be able to see now, especially over a year into a pandemic, how important it is to recognize that we're, we're connected, whether we want to be or not, and we're interdependent. Because if I'm vaccinated and you're not vaccinated, I'm no more free <laughs> than I was before I got vaccinated, really, because mm -hmm. I still got to share space with you. Yeah. Um, so it's that kind of thing that we're looking at, again, in a really holistic way, in a feminist way, and encouraging people, like I said, to think for themselves about what they want. Mm -hmm. And that's something that the church does not encourage. I mean, that's something that school doesn't encourage. You go to school to learn and you can't ask no questions. That is the whole. And I think a lot of people are comfortable within the system. Let's just look yeah. at people who work in the hotel industry. Mm -hmm. That's just the biggest modern day plantations. However, you like that mm -hmm. check. You like going to work and having free three meals a day. I just mean like, okay, when they go to work, I get free lunch, free breakfast, free dinner. I get benefits. I get this. I get that. I get that. I'm not going to do anything to disrupt the system because the system working for me. Not only that, but you're tired. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because that one job with your little benefits and then your little government job might not help you make ends meet, really. If you have three, four children, yeah. you know, because you can't get a flick and abortion. So you just got to keep having these children if you 
if you were raped, if you are, if the condom broke, anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You got to keep having these children. Nobody's going to help you. There's no real social assistance. There's no real social safety net. And to send all these children to school, you feel like your children aren't safe in the government school or the government school isn't good enough. So you got to send them to private school, which is a whole other story, right? Mm-hmm. But it's expensive to live. And so most people aren't making it on one income and not even making it on two incomes if somebody else is in the house. Mm-hmm. So you have a full-time job. And a lot of people have another job on the side. People have side hustles, people baking cakes and doing all manner of things to try to make extra money. Where is the space in there to read the newspaper and to Google something to find out what it means or to find out what the hell is in this vaccine? Like there's no space. So you depending on the person who you give 10% of your income to and who you hear from every week because you trust that person to tell you what to do. Like we've, we've created a space where people just do not have the time or the energy to think for I themselves. Still think, I still feel like most people don't want to do it. Yeah, they got to take it upon themselves too. Yeah, because it's like as okay, much as they do, they still got to. Like me and you sort of you know? start talking about this earlier, like over text. Information you have information by the touch of your phone, right? Every day, you see people constantly on Facebook and all these different social platforms. You posting all kind of foolishness. Instead, you got to take that time and go and. You have it. misinformation on your phone too, though. That's true. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of information, mm-hmm. but you have to know how to access it. Yeah. You have to know what you're searching for because you can easily Google something right now and get the onion and don't know you're reading the onion. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things like that. Um, how many of your family members do you know who has called you so far to ask you how to do the health visa? Nobody. The health visa is not hard. Mm-mm. But because it's something they've never done before or because they went to it and it looked like a lot of things to fill in, they're just like, Lord, let me call my niece. Let me yeah, call my no, grandson. But- right? Because these things are intimidating for people. And I think we're consistently putting pressure on people or or putting the onus on individuals to find information for themselves. And to me, it makes way more sense for the people who have time on their hands, the people who have the skills to do this research, to do it, pull it together in a little one pager, forward that just like you forward others on WhatsApp for people to be able to share it. Um, That makes way more sense to me than expecting 400,000 people to individually find the time to do the kind of research that it takes to get accurate information. Yeah, but, but, but no one is doing that. No one is doing the work of educating the public. We say in that, oh, we upset. People don't know things. People don't understand things. People aren't doing the right thing. What are you doing to make it possible for people to do the right thing? Yeah, but that's the point of the system. I mean, that's, system that's what I try to tell you. That's why they keep you in this saying. loop. Um, yeah, but I mean, me basically yeah. going back and forth around the same thing. is mm-hmm. like, but the system wants us to be done. Yep. However, like they want you tired. And dejected and apathetic. <laughs> yeah, because that's the best way to control. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's how they can keep taking turns, being in power, <laughs> very nicely, very politely. Every five years, they bow and say, on to you, see you in five years. And the next one, on to you, see you in five years. That's very true. So, on to another hot topic, hot button issue. So, you was mentioning rape culture consistently. And on this podcast and my other podcast, I've talked about, you know, how I feel like majority of my lady friends have experienced some sort of sexual assault, sexual harassment at some point in their lives, whether it be at them as children or even into their adulthood. And I'm like, what, what what's going on there? Because it's like... There's no way every other week 
I'll have these deep conversations with different different ladies, and they'll be like, "Yo, this happened." And I feel like you know why I've been so blind to this for such a long time, but then people argue like, "Well, why they don't come out and say something or this and that and that?" But it ain't as easy like that because there's emotional trauma behind it. There's a feeling of, oh, I don't want to disrupt the flow and cause trauma and cause things to happen between the family or going to court and go through all of this. So they discourage or seeking justice. Or for years, they'll be like, well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen until they sit down and be like, that situation did happen like that, even though other times with an individual was consensual. It was just this one instance that it wasn't. So, you know, they compromise to mentalize it. But I was like, you know, it's sort of dark raising a daughter. Like, you know, if I had a daughter raising her in this environment to where, okay, you trying to be right the wrongs of the past and say, hey, you don't have to feel the need to succumb to certain pressures or have certain things to be dictated to you. Mm-hmm. But then... You know, society going to society. <laughs> society yep. going to society. Yeah. Yep. Rape culture is so real. And we continue, we know the phrase victim blaming, but we continue to do it because it's just so easy. Mm. It's just so easy. And that whole, why didn't you report it? Or why didn't you report it sooner is a part of victim blaming. Because it suggests that you could have done something to like ease your own pain or to heal your own trauma, not realizing that reporting is its own trauma, especially around here, because mm. the police suck. Um, we don't really have very many systems of support for people who've experienced that kind of trauma and been hurt in that way. So you know, I've assisted a number of people with reporting and there's no connection between ministries, between departments, so you have to consistently go to all these different places. So you go to the police mm. and you make your report. And hopefully that, you know, you don't get too much um, pushback in, in your reporting process. And then you have to go to a clinic or a hospital. Or sometimes it happens in the reverse, a separate location mm-hmm. to sort of tell the story again and to get mm-hmm. whatever help you need. And then you basically have to figure out for yourself unless you get a really good nurse or, you know, whatever to tell you here's the number for the crisis center or something like that. You have to figure out for yourself where you're going to find the other kind of support that you need. If it's a situation where you need to leave your home, you're trying to figure out who you could tell, where can you stay? We have very limited shelters here, often full. So, you know, who's going to get you a hotel room? Who can you stay with? Who's not going to tell the person that you're staying with them? Are they going to see your car parked outside? You know, being in a small society like this, it's really, really difficult. It's really hard. And for some people, it's easier to just shut off this part of yourself and and pretend like it didn't happen or it happened in a different way or that there was some confusion or that you actually consented. But I think one of the big issues that we have around sexual violence, and I don't think we're going to be able to address it until we face this issue, is that we're not really doing proper sex ed and we're not talking about the true components of sex in a full way. So when we talk about sex and the difference between sex and rape, we often say that there has to be consent. Mm -hmm. If there is consent, then it's sex. If it's not consent, then it's rape. But we don't talk about pleasure. pleasure? Particularly, we don't talk about women's pleasure. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So how does pleasure factor in, like, break that down for me? Because sex is supposed to be enjoyable for the people who are having sex, mm-hmm. right? But in a lot of what we see on, on TV and movies and things that we consider progressive, sex ends when the man ejaculates, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's that. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And I'm still waiting. You know, there's, there's not, everyone's not a gentleman to wait until the woman um, comes first or whatever. But there are other ways to get there. For a lot of women, penetration is not going to do it. Are we having those conversations? Are we talking about what pleases us when we're engaging in sexual activity with a new person? Um, and are we talking about the importance of pleasure and pleasure as an end goal to mm. sex? Because a lot of us have been ta- taught that the end goal is for the man to finish or to, to procreate. Mm. So by leaving pleasure out, we allow those two myths uh, or pieces of misinformation to just continue to, to linger and to be disseminated more and more and more. But pleasure is really key to sex and to enjoying sex and to people wanting to continue to engage in sexual activity. And if we teach that from a young age, the same way that we teach that, you know, you need to use a condom, um, you know, the ABCs of safe sex, um, getting tested um, and consent, then people will understand that I'm supposed to enjoy sex. Not only me saying, yes, let's do this, makes it a good experience for me. So you will have that, that 16 or 17 year old girl who's having sex with her boyfriend of the same age who will mm. know that, yeah, I did say yes, but I actually didn't. I like it. I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm. So for those who may be wondering, are you saying that if a woman didn't feel pleasure during the experience of sex, she should be able to possibly call rape? No. Okay. No. Just make that clear for the people who might be wondering. Because <laughs> no. that's the next thing I was going to ask. So no. Like, so. so the connection there yeah. is we can talk about marital rape, right? right? So the idea that the, the pushback on marital rape, one of the main pieces of the pushback from religious leaders, conservative religious leaders, fundamentalists, is that um, the woman belongs to the husband, right? Like all kinds of problems with that, that women belong to the husband, that the woman gives... Um, consent forever and ever when they get married because the two become one, whatever nonsense, right? So even if we were to accept that, that the woman gave consent, what about the pleasure component? Is she doomed? Because she married this man, is she doomed to a life of pleasureless sex? And would the conversation be different if we talked more about the centrality of pleasure in sexual activity? Because if you're not having sex to have children, then shouldn't we enjoy it? Even if you have been sex with children, you should enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. for real. I mean, a lot of people who are really trying don't tend to enjoy it after a while because it's just like, it's time. But mm. yeah, um, I think that we need to talk more about pleasure. And the more that we talk about pleasure, the more people will have an ownership of that experience and feel comfortable to say, even if you five point pumps in that this don't feel good. <laughs> this isn't what I this is what I want. Can we try another position? Can we get some more lube? Can we do this? Can we do that? I think that conversation would lead into even other things because if you was a, if you only could last like five minutes, <laughs> that's something physically. Hey. You have the chance so that lead into physical health, which will lead into mental health, mm-hmm. which will lead into all kind of other different 
conversations. Hey, Justin, it's a deep conversation. No pun intended. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, but even if you know that you Uh, only last five minutes, maybe you should start thinking about how you can give pleasure before you get your five minutes in. Very true. Right, but we're not talking about the conversation isn't really happening in a lot of relationships. Nobody honestly really talking about that for real. So you think if we center and learn more about pleasure, yeah, then we. We would understand things such as marital rape, with that would change some of the dynamics of that. I think we'll have a better understanding of what rape is. Mm-hmm. Not to say that any kind of sex without pleasure is rape, but it will help us to find that line better. If rape, as it mostly take, takes place, um, is between people who know each other, or Indeed. people who are dating, or people who are in a relationship, you know that you didn't that you didn't want this to happen tonight. But this person said, you, you, you told this person earlier that, yeah, tonight, when y'all go out, after y'all go out, when y'all get home, this can happen. And then the night comes and you just don't want to do it. But then this person is making you feel like you're obligated to do it. And so you relent. Or, co- or you feel it, coerced. Which is, yeah, which is not really consent, right? If it's under duress. Right. But on top of that, you do not enjoy the experience at all. This person isn't even trying to give you any pleasure it kind of removes that cloud of, oh, but I said it was okay. Mm-hmm. You realize that this isn't something that I wanted. I, did, I didn't enjoy it at all. There was no consent. There was no concern for me. There was no pleasure. Um, and it, it kind of moves you out of this place of being obligated to mm-hmm. participate in this thing with this person, understanding that sex is not for that person. We talk about sex like it's a gift. You give it to somebody. <laughs> but you're supposed to be getting something from the experience as well. Yeah, because I remember, you know, rest his soul, Dr. Indians always say sex is just mutual masturbation. But, you know, people have it like a <laughs> gift, basically, because, like, you know, to, especially today, women are putting a price on it more. Like, not just the sex sex workers and things that are average women putting a price. Mm. Like, you know, you forget this, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you. well, it's not new. Sex has pretty much always been transactional. Mm-hmm. You know, you women back in the day have sex with the husband so that he could buy the new vacuum to make cleaning the house easier. You know, like this is the one thing to like calm him down or, or to get him to do a certain, yeah. Yeah. Or to take it a little bit easier or be less angry that my sister's coming to visit and she's staying with us. So, you know, we're going to have sex when we're done. I'm going to be like, so my sister's coming. He's going to (sighs) say, okay. (laughs) Versus the, 15 minutes of screaming and shouting back and forth. Sex has always been used as a, a bargaining chip. Coercion. And now it might be a little bit more Pronounced. overt, yeah. which could be a good thing. Um, sometimes it's, it can be a frustrating thing to watch and to experience with, mm. with people sort of towing that line between sex work or transactional, well, sex work and transactional sex within a relationship. I mean, we have lots of people who are sugaring, but it's your body. Do what you want to do as long as other people involved are happy with it and being pleasured. So, how do you take the notion of, because when I brought up your names of certain people, they was like, oh, the feminists? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> I really I'm said, branding. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, do you feel like that might be putting you in a box or? Um, no. Uh, some people might see it as a box if they don't really understand what feminism is. So feminism still gets a bad rap, right? There's still this idea of the 
bra-burning, man-hating <laughs> feminist, mm-hmm. which there are probably men I hate and there are, I mm-hmm. haven't burned any bras, but I, I'm not friends with them, you know? So some of that stuff might be true for me, but to me, feminism is about focusing on equality mm. in many different spheres, including economic, uh, political, social, and seeing women, people of all genders, having access to the same opportunities and the same resources as men and being committed to that, like in my life, not just in my advocacy, not just in my professional endeavors, but in, in life in general and paying attention to the way that I, that I treat people and that I see other people being treated mm-hmm. and how that's related to their gender and mm-hmm. looking at policy, looking at our democracy, looking, for example, at, you know, we have general elections coming up and none of these shitty parties you know, the main ones, have 30% of their slates as women. Not even 30%. Why do you think that's the case? I mean, because um, <laughs> because they they are misogynistic. Okay. We know this. And yes, I, I, I am including the one that has a woman as a leader. They're, they're, mis- they're at their foundation. They are misogynistic parties. They do not support women's rights. And they don't care to bring balance. They don't care to improve conditions for women. You don't see it last election, 2017. Yeah. You didn't see anything about gender in any of their proposals, right? The FNM has its manifesto. The PLP has its charter for governance. I cannot remember what the DNA called their thing. But none of them mention gender. None of them mention women. They all look at, they look at crime. They look at youth. They look at yeah. health. They look so, at education. Because I think they always do things based on the reflection of what the average bohemian wants. I don't even know if they. Because that's what I don't they even always know if they to do. do. That's why every time, every election is always jobs. Yeah, they, well, crime. they, keep, they keep it as vague as possible. <laughs> yeah. Jobs, crime, youth. It's always yeah. something to do with youth in there. Yeah. And, and that's about it. The same thing recycled every single time. Oh, um, but, immigration. Yeah. yeah. But even if we look at those things, right? If we look at jobs, crime, and youth, there's a, there's a gender perspective there to be had. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of jobs th- does the government usually provide? Getting close hotel. to the election, it's all this paving the road, putting in new sidewalks. Well, Who's getting that work? Construction and thing, right? Yeah. Men getting that work. Mm-hmm. Are you creating jobs for women? Or you just expect women to just fry fritters um, to make a couple of dollars? If we look at crime, who are the, who are the victims of crime? Man. A lot of men. <laughs> yeah. So of violent crime, and how yeah. is that related to the jobs that you just decide to create? You trying at the, to take at the, last the criminals minute? from the crime to the jobs, basically. But they don't connect those things. I think that's why they have them because they always interlap. Well, the youth going down by and they committing the crime, so we need to get the men to work. But so do you see less- the connection in those manifestos and and in the policies and and the programs that they actually take pl- that they put forward? and implement those connections you don't see them they're not looking at the intersections of these issues Mm. looking at education there are the scholarships are you providing scholarships to encourage women to go into the stem fields all these all these little specific things that the government should be looking at it's it's really not and none of the political parties are putting forward anything that's better because they don't care yeah and i think they sort of do but it's sort of hush just because I know um, Frankie Campbell had a 
women in STEM camp earlier this year, but it was like, well, I didn't know what this was going Every on. now and then they have a little blip. Yeah. A little blip. The Department of Gender and Family Affairs on the day of the girl child will be all, yay, girls, for one day. <laughs> hmm. And it's like, well, we have girls 365 days a year, though. Hmm. Only one day you're going to focus on the girls? Hmm. It has to be integrated. And that's, that's, that's the purpose. That's the, the wheelhouse of the gender expert is to look at the gender dimensions of these different issues that we're dealing with on a daily basis in the country and how we can actually address some of those with law and with policy. So, I mean, I'm going to plug one of the projects that Equality Bahamas is working on right now, which is inviting people to engage with us in conversations and some collaborative working sessions and to fill out a survey to contribute to feminist standards for governance. So we're looking at seven thematic areas, health, education, women and LGBT people, youth, environment, labor and economy, and social services. So you can contribute to any of these areas and talk about some of the things that, some of the issues that you see, things that you think that we should be doing moving forward so that we can produce our own charter, our own manifesto, so that you know, no matter who wins the next election, we have this list of demands and we say, hey, this is what you need to do. And we've broken down the projects, the laws that need to change, the policies that need to be put in place to move, move us forward and giving due consideration to critical areas that we've identified, including gender equality, um, well, gender-based violence specifically, climate change, and disaster management. Hmm. I got two more questions before we close up, because this has been part of, I just been sitting back, learning, you know, shutting my mouth, <laughs> letting the expert go in. So, I've heard this term a lot, especially in 2020, and I'm going to use this phrase, and you're going to tell me what this really mean. He hates men. I mean, he hates women. He break hates women. Yeah, break that down for me. Mm-hmm. That's it? Break it down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He hates women. Uh-huh. So that, that's basically misogyny, mm-hmm. hatred of women, um, which can mean so many different things, but it's basically, it can be objectification of women, it can be subjugation of women, it can be just generally not wanting women in your space or only wanting them in your space to serve your particular purpose. And I'm using serve in that sort of like servant mm. way. Okay, because I always say, okay, because like, like I say, I've been doing a lot of damage. For those viewing, the reason why I was causing mayhem in them groups is for this day. <laughs> do like my little social experiments. I probably done those. Yeah, Dan. But, you know, I always would see, okay, you post some, oh, he hates women. And then, so I always ask the question, so is it he hates women because he say, Y'all can't do this or that. Or it is not even gender. It's just like, oh, I don't think you should have ice cream. Or he hates women because he, he don't want, like, so I'm like, okay, so what exactly? Yeah. So when people say he hates women, a lot of times it's in response to something that somebody has said or done uh-huh. that on the surface to someone who's not really paying attention might just seem like an innocuous thing or something that's rude or mean, but whatever. Yeah. But someone is looking at that and seeing where that's coming from, like digging for the root of it. 
right? So let me try to think of a recent example. I mean, I got a recent example. <laughs> okay, what is it? Uh, I can show you a video. <laughs> oh, we, we going that deep. Oh, I, I ever show you this video? I don't know. Oh, man. So, you know, we always have a review thing. <laughs> I can shout out the, um, the person who I go add the clip in. Uh-huh. So, recently, a Bahamian lady went on. Have you ever heard of Kevin Samuels? Of what? You ever heard of Kevin Samuels? No. Okay. Oh, that's, oh. that's surprising because everybody knows about it. Anyway, a uh, uh, Bahamian lady recently went on this show. And he basically was breaking down. Uh, she wanted, basically, she was with a guy who was divorced before, but she wanted to prolong them getting married because he wanted. She wanted to go finish her education and get her master's degree in blah, 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 blah. That's the only information I'm about to give you so you can react to this in real time without knowing anything prior about anybody. Okay. So, I saw the video, the government. so I know what you mean. So, that's your man. Another woman to be raising your children, you might as well kick it with the daycare runner or the nanny. All he would get with you is a womb. A womb and a product. He would get no spouse. He would get no help. He get nothing. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not gonna tell you I'm wrong. I actually have opinions. Well, the point is, the point is, ma'am, you're not going to be what he wants. Well, he doesn't even want you to. Because my thing is, why do you need to become a research analyst if you want to be his wife? Okay, let me break it down in the Bahamas terms. As a police officer and as a research analyst... Talk to me like I'm full. Why do you need to become a research analyst? Why do you need to go out and have a whole career if you want to be his wife? I want to have a career because I feel like I don't want to depend 100% on a man. Listen, gentlemen. Listen, gentlemen. So I want to make my own However, However, this is fear. This is the fear <laughs> I was talking about. However, can't, I can't trust black men, so I got to have no, a backup plan. No, I trust plan. them. I, I trust them. I, I 100%. Then if you, okay, you always said he's attractive and successful, but you still need to work and have your own money so you can have some degree of autonomy and independence. That's not a relationship. That's two individuals. That's independence. Buy a dog. <laughs> well, we talk about it. and There's no talking about it. Okay. This is why our women are so chronically single. Because every other group of women realize that they need to be with their men. They don't say I'm with the man and I want yeah. you to wait. Like it, this, 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 this <laughs> thing was like my way long. It's just a cup from... It wasn't down. my idea, though. If you want to get married today, I'll get married to him. But it wasn't no. my idea. No, you want to go, but you want the PhD. I do. I do. But I don't have to get it. It's something that I want to do. I we- don't have to. My thing is, I want to be educated, and I no, want to be no, 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 no. How old are you? I'm 24. You're educated. Okay, I'm educated. You but... got more education than your grandmother, your great grandmother had. Just go ahead and say it. You want, you want, you want power. You want your own money, your a degree of independence, and all this other kind of stuff. In case we gonna be gonna have this like right here. <laughs> you, you, you still recording, right? Yeah, we still recording. Okay. Which is a bull. Okay. <laughs> 
cover story for the other part. I would be making more money than him, and I feel like it would help then our get a family wife. more. It'll help our family then more. get a wife. To get a wife? Then I don't like women. Might as well, because this is very masculine. I, I, I want a man, and we have a... That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's that's it. it. Mm. We never put out that phone. React. Oh, yeah, so this guy, <laughs> this guy definitely hates women. Mm. <laughs> He's misogynistic. And he takes the view that women are supposed to be dependent on men and that women are not our own people. Like a woman is not a human being who has her own desires, her own goals, her own interests. Like you are just, you're, you're supposed to just collapse into the life of a man and fit into whatever he has going on and completely dismisses the idea that, or the right to have independent security. And, and this is one of the things that predators do, is that they make sure that you don't have anything else. You have nothing to fall back on so that things go sideways. Or when I treat you the way that I really want to treat you, um, like garbage, like object, you know, like the thing that I think you are, mm -hmm. you don't have anywhere to run to and you have to stick around and you have to take it. Okay. I'm going to ask a question. That, so women have been thinking just as what you just described for the last 50 years. But some are trying to figure out today uh, why, you know, the marriage rate is going down, the divorce rate is going up. And that's is, not a mystery. OK, what's the, why is that not a mystery? What is the purpose of getting married at this point? Mm, actually, get into that. I like you going. The whole new board now. <laughs> I like you going there. We get into way, that. Way, way over time. Because there's some men that say, bro, don't get married. And there's no point in getting married anymore. There are no advantages to it, um, mm. aside from, unless you're really looking to build something together, like financially, uh -huh. there are some benefits to being able to pool resources, if that's something that you want to do and you trust the other person to that level, to pool all your resources and share debt and share assets and all that kind of thing, then it could make sense. Mm -hmm. um, for some people, they want to have the same last name. To me, you could do that without marriage. You could just go and change do a deep poll and just change your last name. And for some people, it's more of a religious thing. Um, mm -hmm. or to massage their families and, and make their families accept a person or a social thing to get people to accept their union and to make it official. Mm -hmm. But one-on-one -on -one uh, in real terms, marriage just really isn't that beneficial, especially in the Bahamas. When you get married, then apparently you could get raped. So why uh, would you do that? Wow. So we have love then. <laughs> you can have love without marriage. I think you could probably definitely. have more love without marriage. In definitely. fact, you could have infinite love Without marriage and without living together. Mm. Let's be neighbors. <laughs> you go to your place. I go to my place. When we want to get together, we get together. And it's a choice. It's an intentional choice that we make every single time. You know, we're close enough that if we need something, we could holler at each other. Mm. But you have your space. You can keep your kitchen how you want to keep your kitchen. Mine's going to be the way I like it with the sponge on the left and the dawn on the right. Or, you know, <laughs> right, right. whatever it is. Why not? Mm. And on that... We about to, any final words, what's next for you and all them good things? Um, yeah, final words, don't, definitely don't get married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Don't do that. Divorce is expensive. You lose half your shit. <laughs>
It just <laughs> sorry it for y'all. Sorry for y'all out there. We thought y'all was gonna make it. Don't, because <laughs> y'all can get divorced, and divorce is expensive. Real talks. <laughs> I'm sure some people will make it. Some people making it, but <laughs> it depends on your reasons, really. But I, I just right there. There are too many cons there to me. Um, what's next for me? Continuing along these same lines, doing the same um, shit up consistently. And working on, yeah. the, like <laughs> working on the feminist standards for governance. Really looking for more people that participate in the process. And I keep telling people that, you know, me and my team, we could sit down and bang out policy and all day, right? Like we could spend two days and just bang it out by ourselves. But that's not the point. The point is to engage other people and to find out how other people are thinking about health, about education, about youth, about social services, about all these different issues. What do people think? What are the ideas that people have to combat climate change, gender-based violence, and, and how can we do better at disaster management? We really want to crowdsource the best ideas, um, hear from people about the issues that they think we should be tackling to develop something that not only advocates can use over the next five years, that um, the government can use as a sort of checklist mm -hmm. in terms of what the people want, and that we can use as a collective to measure the performance of the inevitably people that we're going to have as our representatives very shortly. She said I'm mouthful. <laughs> oh, man, but thank you again, Alicia, for coming on Everything We only have the legends, you know. Only the legends. <laughs> we happy to have another legendary member of our society with us again. Um, all our links how you can find her and we can put all your information down in the description and thank y'all for joining us on everything cool peace love yeah yeah see